You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Well, good morning, Grace. It's good to see everybody. Nice to be together. Uh, I'm Sean. For those of you who haven't got a chance to meet, I'm one of the elders and one of the preachers here. We're going to study God's Word together today. As we do every week, we love it. Um, we are back in our series in the Gospel of John. We've been, took a little break for Christmas out of the Gospel of John. Now we're back in last week. Uh, we started back into it. Jay preached a great sermon uh, talking about uh, the healing of this guy who had been um, uh, disabled for, I don't know, decades. And Jesus healed him last week. We saw that and it was absolutely incredible. We saw the healing and awesome power of uh, Jesus. But as usual, the the Jewish leaders of the day, they didn't like what Jesus was doing. They didn't like what was happening. And uh, they uh, began to actually confront the guy that Jesus had healed because he was carrying his mat around on the Sabbath. And they they disliked that very much. Um, But then today they're actually going to start start confronting uh, Jesus, actually. And the way that Jesus responds is going to demonstrate the authority of Jesus. That's the big idea this morning. We're talking all about the authority of Jesus Now, uh, the last sermon I preached right before Christmas, if you heard it, we talked a lot about the authority of Jesus. And so what we're going to talk about today um, is very familiar. It will be very familiar to you. Um, One of the things I love about grace is that we're not afraid to preach any section of scripture and we'll preach whatever comes up. It just so happens that I get to preach on the authority of Jesus uh, twice. Uh, I heard somebody recently say that if God repeats himself, you should listen. So we're going to listen together to what what the the, the Lord has to say to us today. But we're talking about, like I said, the authority of Jesus, and we're going to look at how did the religious leaders uh, respond to Jesus and to his authority, and then we want to look at like what our response is or should be to the authority of Jesus. Okay, that's where we're going today. We have a, a really long section of scripture. Um, thank you, Free Preaching Team, for assigning me so many verses. Um, we're going to be in John chapter 5, starting in verse 16. We're going to work all the way through um, verse 47, the end of the chapter. I'm going to read a big chunk out of the middle of it, though, to kind of help us see context, to see where we're at and what we're talking about, and then I'll pray and invite the Spirit to work, and then we'll start moving through. So get your Bibles open to John 5, or turn on your Bible app. Words will also be here on the screen. John chapter 5, verse 16. So, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the son of God and those who hear will live. For as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. 
Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to life, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the time that we've had to worship already. God, thank you that your spirit is here. I invite you now, God, I, I ask you, would you please fill me again? God, would you cause me to speak and preach words that you want me to preach? God, would I be faithful and accurate to the scripture? Um, God, would I glorify you? And God, would you build your church? Father, I pray each of us would leave here changed this morning because of your spirit's work in our lives. I thank you for that. Thank you that you are always at work. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so talking about the authority of Jesus and it starts off here where Jesus is saying, my father is always at his work to this very day and I too am working. For this reason, the, the, they tried all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. The Jewish leaders, again, they're furious about this. And one of the things I love about Jesus, he's not intimidated at all by what's happening with this. He, he basically just says quite simply, my father is always at work. What he's saying is that I am the son of God. He's saying that I am God made manifest in human form. I am equal with God. What Jesus is saying is that I have all authority. This was my first point from my last sermon. So yes, it's familiar, but it's true. Jesus has all authority. And the fact that Jesus is the son of God has lots of implications. And one of the implications is, is that Jesus does have all, all authority. A couple of verses we looked at last time, Matthew 28, 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Jesus has all authority. And we asked the question last time, but who was it given to him by? Who gave him that? And we see that in John chapter 335, the father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. The father loves the son and gives him everything. He gives him power. He gives him majesty. He gives him dominion and he gives him authority. Jesus has all authority. Do you ever do something that you like are kind of embarrassed about later? <laughs> Probably none of you. Rick, I'm sure you have a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, years ago, probably like 16, 18 years ago, my kids are really little at the time. And, uh, my wife and I and my kids were out uh, doing some like shopping around the holiday season, around Christmas. And so all of the parking lots were really packed full and everything was really busy. And um, my wife needed to go into this particular store um, that was in this little strip mall. So we pulled in there. I couldn't find a parking spot. So I just pulled up to the curb. She's like, I'm gonna, I'll be right back. So she jumps in and runs in. I think she's doing an exchange or something. So it's really gonna be just a few minutes. And so I'm sitting there just chatting it up with my kids. And uh, I see a dude who's uh, clearly a security guard. He has the, the uh, uniform and stuff on, and he's walking over to, to me, and he gets over to my window, and so I roll down my window. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? He's like, you need to move your car. And I'm like, well, okay. I was like, look, I know there's not a red stripe on the curb, so I'm not really illegally parked. My wife just ran in. She's going to be really quick and then going to come out, and then, and then we'll leave. We'll get out of here. He goes, you need to move your car now. Now. I honestly don't really know what came over me because I don't ordinarily do stuff like this. <laughs> but I look at the dude and I say, what are you going to do if I don't? <laughs> now, this guy comes completely freaking unglued. The guy goes crazy. He starts yelling at me. He tells me he's going to call the police. I'm going to get arrested. My kids are like, dad's doing a hard time now. Like, eh, eh. 
It's not going to be a very good Christmas this year. Everybody's freaked out. I'm like, bro, calm down. So anyway, which he didn't like. Anyway, I eventually moved. I want to say this. I don't ordinarily do stuff like this. Please pray for me. I am a work in progress. Um, I, I eventually moved. Um, a couple of things, though. One, don't, don't do this. This poor guy was just trying to do his job, and I was being a moron that day, okay? Um, two, why did I do that? I think there's a couple of reasons why I felt like I could do that this day. One is because sometimes I can be a prideful idiot. And I, I think that in my pride, I knew that he had no real authority, Because he said himself, if you don't move, I'm going to have to call somebody else to come deal with this situation because I don't really have any authority here to do anything. And so I knew that he had no real authority. I also knew in my pride that he knew he had no real authority and I wanted to hear him say it. Um, Again, something's wrong with me. Now, on... (laughs) On my recent trip to the Middle East, when we were crossing from Jordan into Israel, I would have never tried to pull a stunt like this with the Israeli military police. It would not have gone well. They were already strip searching people. I don't know what they would have done to me. It was, I would have never done something like that because it would have been dumb to do so. Jesus has all authority. He doesn't simply have a title or a uniform or a badge. Jesus has all authority. He has authority to create and to rule and to heal and to forgive and and to bring bring life. And his life, or excuse me, his authority is absolute over everything. And sometimes in the pride of life, we dismiss the authority of Jesus as though he's a security guard at a strip mall with no real authority. This is a really, really dangerous thing to do. Jesus has all authority and he knows that he has all authority. Look at what his response is to them. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus is not moved by the masses or persuaded by the powerful. Jesus doubles down on what he previously said. He just simply with grace and power speaks the truth. He says, I am the son of God. I do whatever God does because I am God made manifest. Imagine if that happened today. It actually happens today where there are people in our world that will say stuff publicly. Sometimes politicians or a celebrity will post something on Twitter and they might even post something that everyone in the world knows is true, like only women can give birth. And there's a big section of our culture and our society these days that hates statements like that, even though everyone knows it's true. And so they will pile on this person and they'll, they'll dive on them online, usually, and they'll try to shame them and guilt them and tell them what an awful person they are and they need to change their thinking. And usually what happens is that person will then recant, they'll, they'll delete their post, they'll put up another post apologizing, talking about how awful it was, they'll grovel and they'll beg for forgiveness and promise to do better later. Jesus doesn't do that at all. And I love that. I love that about Jesus. We also shouldn't be like that. Now, I want to be careful here. I am not encouraging you to go out there and start a bunch of culture wars and try to just get in everybody's face and all that. I'm not saying that. Sometimes it is wise and good to simply hold your tongue and not speak at all. But there are some times, church, where you need to be bold and you need to speak truth. Do it in love. Do it seasoned with as much grace as possible. But be bold, be brave, speak truth because our world desperately needs to hear truth. It desperately needs it. So be brave. This is what Jesus did. Look what happens next. Uh, Verse 20, it says that, uh, for the father loves the son and shows him all he does. And yes, he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. I love this part because Jesus now was saying, watch this. 
Watch what is about to happen. He said, I've been doing all these miracles. I've got greater things to show you. What is greater than all of the amazing miracles that Jesus has already been done? Well, what's greater is that this son of God is going to be arrested and tried and beaten and humiliated and nailed to a Roman cross. And it's gonna look like all hope is lost. This, this son of God is going to be put into a tomb in the ground with a giant stone rolled in front of it to seal the tomb. And it's gonna look like he's completely lost. All hope is lost. But three days later, this son of God is going to resurrect and come back to new life himself. He is gonna do even greater things so that they will be amazed. Jesus is going to show that he has all authority and that authority even extends over life and death. And that's our, our next thing we learn is that Jesus has authority over life and over death. Verse 21, for just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Jesus, he is the creator and the author of life. He has complete authority over life and over death. In John chapter 10, he records the words of Jesus where Jesus is talking about his life and his relationship with the father. Look what he says uh, in verse 17. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, not only, or excuse me, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Jesus has the very authority to lay his own life down and resurrect himself because he's God, because he's, he's amazing. Jesus has authority over life and over death. Now, uh, lots of you know this. I work as a registered nurse in addition to this job. My other job is a registered nurse in a neonatal ICU. And uh, years ago, I was working, a, I was on call one night uh, on a Saturday night and I got called in to work. And when I got there, we were expecting the delivery of this, this baby. Um, and whenever we're expecting a baby might have problems and we assemble a big team. It has um, nurses, respiratory therapists, doctors, sometimes a few technicians. And we get, uh, we have a room called the resuscitation suite where we get everything ready to, to be able to receive this baby that's going to come um, out in case they need help. And so we get all the equipment, all the gear there, all of the people are there, we're ready for this baby. This baby is born, and when this baby comes around and is placed on this warming bed uh, where we resuscitate him, this baby's dead. Every, everybody can see that just from looking at it. The baby has um, no color to him. Um, he is completely lifeless, limp. He has no heart rate, he's not breathing. This, this baby's totally dead. And so our team, we, we kick in doing what, what we do and we, be, we put an airway in so we can breathe for the baby. We start CPR, we start chest compressions. Somebody puts in an umbilical line, um, which is like a special IV so that we can give fluids and medicine really quickly. And we begin to, to, to work through the process of trying to resuscitate, trying to, to, to save this baby's life. And we're working and we're working and we're working and we're working and the seconds click into minutes and the minutes start to add up and as you probably can expect, every second counts in a situation like this and the room is tense and as the minutes go on, the room grows sad because nothing we're doing is working, nothing we're doing is helping, nothing. And so at about 15 minutes in to this, to this code, um, uh, one of the doctors says, you know what, I, I, does anybody have any other ideas? And we're still working, but, but we always discuss, does anybody have any other ideas? Is there anything we're forget, forgetting? Is there anything we can try? And we always want to ask that question because it's our job to, to work as hard as we can and exhaust every option to save as much life as possible. That's our job. And so nobody has any ideas because we've tried everything. And so that's it. We call it. The, 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 that's the code. That's it. And about that time on the monitor... Bloop, bloop, a little QRS complex pops up, which is a graphic representation of your heart beating. 
All of a sudden, another one, bloop, 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 bloop. And somebody says, I think this kid might have a heart rate. And so somebody throws a stethoscope on his chest and listen, sure enough, his heart is beating. And so then we kick in our, our resuscitative efforts again and we, 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 we start doing more things quickly. The heart rate rises up over 100, which is the goal. The baby starts to get pink. The baby starts to have color. And now there's starting to be some signs of life because now the baby is, is alive. That baby went on to get discharged home a week or two later. Um, that baby... Uh, Normally, babies that are born in a situation like this will have significant neurological deficit and, and problems because of all the lack of oxygen for so long. The neurologist that evaluated this baby thought that um, the baby wasn't really showing very many signs at all of any neurological deficit and said that they thought that the baby would probably outgrow any, any deficits that might be there, if there were any there. It was incredible. Every single person in that room, every single person, regardless of our background, the kind of life we've had, our faith, our lack of faith, anything, every single person in that room remembers that day too this day, and I know that because I talked to somebody about it a couple weeks ago, they also will say, every one of them, it was a bona fide miracle. Jesus has authority over life. But the sad reality is, I've had plenty of babies who also didn't make it. The sad reality is, is that some of you have lost children, or brothers, or sisters or husbands or wives or parents. And it is incredibly troubling to try to sort out why, why that sort of thing happens. This is a question that most of us will wrestle with at some point if we're in that situation. Why, God? Why? And I think it's an okay question to ask, but I don't think it's super helpful to stay there for very long because most of the time there really isn't an answer to the question why. And I think maybe a question that can be helpful in those moments is to begin to move, if we can, into a question that might ask, what next? Okay, God, what next? And that answer to that question is going to be different for every person. And so we celebrate life and we mourn death and Jesus has authority over both. He does. But not just biological life. And this is a distinction that I regularly make because it's very easy for us to think in terms of physical life because we, we work and operate in a physical type world. And so I want to remind us of the fact that it's not just about physical life and death, but it's also about spiritual life and death. Jesus has authority over spiritual life and death. Look what he says in verse 24. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death um, to life. This is talking about spiritual life and death here. Jesus says, if you hear the word, if you believe God, then you have crossed over from, from death to life. Scripture talks about Abraham, and when he was a super, super old man, like about 100, his wife was also very, very old. Abraham had not had any kids yet, but he wanted kids. And God comes to Abraham, and God tells him, Abraham, I'm going to make you into the father of many nations. If you can count the stars, then you'll be able to count your descendants. That's how many descendants he was going to have. And Abraham believes God, and it says that it was credited to him as, credited to him as righteousness. He believed God. That's what this is saying. The apostle Paul um, in Romans 4 tells us about Abraham. Verse 20, he says, yet he, that's, that's Abraham, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life 
for our justification. Jesus has authority over spiritual life and spiritual death. This is exactly what, what Paul echoes in, in Romans. Um, he says this, if you hear my word and you believe, if we believe that we are dead in our sins outside of Christ, if we believe what God says about us, that that is true, if we believe that there is no hope for us outside of Christ in our own sins, in our own transgression, there's no hope. But if we also believe in the person and the work of Jesus in his death, his burial, his resurrection, and the indwelling of his Holy Spirit to help us know how to live and help us know how to obey God, then we have crossed over from death to life. That's what he says here in verse 24. You have crossed over from death to life. I love the language here because in the original language, this crossed over, it literally means it's finished. It's done. Some of you need to hear that this morning. Some of you are like me and maybe have had seasons of your life where you struggle with doubt and you wonder, does the gospel apply to me? The answer is yes, it does. If you have believed God for what he said and believed in the person and work of Jesus, then the answer, my friends, is yes. You don't have to doubt anymore. You don't have to wonder anymore. Uh, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's something we can bank and stake our lives on. But Jesus isn't done talking about life. Look what he says in verse 26. For as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son also to have life in himself. The father, God the father is the source of all life and he pours it into the person of Jesus where it flows out into the whole world to all who believe. It's the incredible promise of the gospel. Jesus has all authority and Jesus has all authority over life and over death. And in him, we really can have the kind of amazing, abundant life that he promised us, a life filled with hope and purpose and family and all of the great blessings of, of the family of God. But if we dismiss Jesus and his authority as though he was a security guard at a strip mall with a title and no real authority, that is a dangerous, dangerous game with devastating consequences. And here's why. Look at verse 27. It says, And he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. A time is coming uh, when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. Those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. The next thing we learn is that Jesus has the authority to judge the world. There is a day coming and I don't know when that is, but Jesus is going to come and he is going to judge the world. Do you remember the rapper Tupac Shakur? Some of you may have remembered hearing that name or hearing or knowing about him. He's one of the most influential rappers of all time. He wrote a ton of songs about uh, a lot of the issues that he struggled with, a lot of the issues he saw and dealt with in his daily life, especially living in the, in the inner city. <clears throat> And he wrote this song uh, called Only God Can Judge Me. Um, I mentioned a rapper before NF who I, I actually really recommend you listen to him. Um, he's, he's an amazing rapper and loves Jesus and writes a lot of really profound stuff. Um, Tupac, I can't necessarily, I, rec I recommend listen to him. Um, pastoral advisory, explicit lyrics, okay? You're going to hear a lot of F-bombs and stuff if you go check out his music. So you've been forewarned if you check it out. Hey, it's on you, okay? Okay. Um, should I cuss right now? Just to, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> but he wrote this song, um, and in this song, he, he, he 
does this, and he, many of his songs talk about this, but he talks about these problems and pains that he's had in his life, and he seems to vacillate between two points. On one hand, he's really reflecting on the sadness and the problems that are in his life, and they're real, and they're honest, and, and I appreciate these, these parts of these songs. But the other side of the thing that he vacillates toward is pride and anger and hate, and you hear it come out. It's thick in the lyrics, And he constantly comes back to this refrain um, that is the title of the song, that only God can judge me, only God can judge me, only God can judge me. There's been a ton of celebrities and lots of people in our culture who have taken that on as like their personal mantra, only God can judge me. Some people get tattoos, only God can judge me. And the fact is, ultimately, he's right. Ultimately, he's right. Matthew says it this way in Matthew 25, 31. He says this, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the angels will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. This is the same as what John 5 is talking about. He's saying if you do good, if you believe God, if you trust Jesus, and because of that belief are compelled to live a different kind of life, a life where you want to love and serve and help and feed and encourage in the name of Jesus. If like the guy in our story last week where Jesus tells him to go and stop sinning, if by the power of the spirit working in us, we learn to stop sinning and we learn to serve God better as we go throughout our lives and if there is submission to the authority of Jesus, if we can do those things, or excuse me, if we do choose to do those things, then Jesus says we're gonna rise to life, to blessing, to eternity with God and eternity with the family of God. But Jesus isn't done. Look what he says down in verse 41. He says, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Verse 46 says, then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. If you reject the authority of Jesus, if you reject his offer of life in him, if you continue to live a life out of pride that says, you know what, God, I don't really... I don't really need what you're offering. I don't honestly even really care too much about what you're offering. If you continue to live like hell, then that is exactly what you're going to get. Jesus is serious because the consequences are serious and these stakes are eternal. They literally couldn't be any higher. And for some reason, the religious leaders of the day continue to reject, reject the authority of Jesus. I think John 5.18 sums it up best. We looked at this earlier. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. That was their response. Jesus at the end of this chapter is gonna go on and talk more about the response, about the ways and the things that they rejected, the testimonies about Jesus that they rejected. They rejected the testimony of John the Baptist who was the forerunner of Jesus the Messiah, who came ahead of Jesus preparing a way, who came preaching a message of repentance and baptizing people and pointing to Jesus saying, he's the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world and they rejected his testimony. They were rejecting the testimony of the miracles and the works that Jesus was doing. My question when I think about that is, who can bring the dead back to life but God himself? Who can simply by touching somebody can cure them of ailments that have plagued them for decades and decades and decades? Who can speak to creation in such a way that a raging storm calms to absolute peace and quiet in a moment's notice? Who can do those things but God? John 21, 25, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. 
says this, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose not even the whole world would be able, or would have enough room for the books that would be written. Isn't that awesome? Thinking about all of the things that Jesus did, all this recorded for us, there were so many that weren't recorded. Jesus did these kind of things all over the place and they rejected that testimony. They rejected the testimony of God the Father and they rejected the testimony that was written in the Bible. John 5.39 says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. They refused. They refused. On uh, our trip to Israel, we had a couple of guides. In Jordan, we had a a guy named Omar, and then in Israel, uh, we had a guy named uh, Gila. And Gila is a um, very, very smart, intelligent, learned woman. She um, had been guiding for, I think it was like 40 years. She basically knew everything about everything, every place we went. Anybody would ask her some random question, boom, she had an answer. This woman knew the Bible. She would talk about the Bible. She knew all about Jesus. She would talk about Jesus. She would talk about the places we were, the things that he did, the, the things we were looking at. If anybody asked her, say, and would say something like, oh, doesn't this say somewhere in scripture, X, Y, or Z, she'd go, yeah, it says that here. And she would quote the scripture. This woman knew the Bible. And so at one point we were getting ready to, I think we were either getting off or getting on the bus, but it was on the bus. And my brother, Rick, he asked her, he said, Gila, he said, are you a Jesus follower? And Gila put her hand in his face and turned around and started to walk away. There was this immediate wall that came down there. And he started to ask a question, tried to ask a follow-up question. And she, nope, her hand, and she just, she just walked away. Gila knew all about Jesus. She knew all about his works. She knew all about his word. She knew all about the Bible. She knew all about all of these things. And yet for some reason, she rejected his authority in her life. Last week we had um, elders and staff come up and kind of gather around on the sides. I want to do that again. If you're an elder or a staff person in here, can you come and kind of gather around the side? Because I want to invite people um, this morning to, to respond. And what we're responding to is this question, is what are you doing, what is your response to the authority of Jesus and his offer of life? We all have all kinds of responses it could be, and and these next moments are for you. Some of you, some of you maybe have never made that step and crossed over from death to life. Friends, today, if that's you, today is the day to believe. Today is the day uh, to believe. If you are interested and want to figure out what does that mean, how do I do that, how do I step over from death to life, come talk to one of us. Eric is over here, I'll be up front here, Um, maybe some others. Um, Come talk to one of us because we want to help introduce you to Jesus so that you can experience real life. Some of you have crossed over from death to life spiritually, but, but for some reason you're continuing to sort of hobble around in life. Some of you are, are literally, it's kind of like walking around with a broken leg and you're hobbling around. You love Jesus, but you're hobbling around. And what you're hobbling around with is maybe a sin that you just haven't dealt with yet. You're hobbling around with a problem or, or, or a situation in your life that you aren't trusting the Lord with. And maybe for you this morning, there's some areas of your life where you are not submitting to the authority of Jesus. You love Jesus, but there's some parts of your life where like Gila, you're putting your hand up and saying, no, not here, Lord. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's, it's not just simply not trusting him. Maybe it's what you consume online and you look at porn and you look at things that, that are evil and awful and detrimental to you. 
Maybe for you, it's how you uh, treat your spouse or your family and your attitude is constantly harsh or degrading or, or critical. Maybe, maybe for you, it's how you spend your time or your money, maybe something else. And maybe for you, because I've been in seasons like this, you have hobbled around so long that you don't even want to talk to God about it because you don't even know where to start. Today is the day to begin to run again. Because you can. Jesus' offer is, come to me. I want to give you life. I want to help you. The Bible tells us that if we confess or tells us to confess our sins to one another so that why we might be healed. Would you come help? Let us help you. Let, come let us pray with you. Others of you might need prayer for something else, a relational struggle or a challenge or an illness or a disease or, or whatever. If you just need healing, come talk to us. We'd love to pray with you for healing. God can heal. He doesn't always heal, but he can. And he's the only place we can really go and we can ask him, God, would you please heal this? He's, he's the king. He has all authority. And if you're sitting here and you're wondering, man, what are people going to think if I get up and I go over and talk to, to, to somebody here? What are they going to think? You know what they're going to think? They're going to think, praise God. Because that person is doing whatever it is they need to do. It's between them and the Lord. Praise God. Whatever's going on, praise God. That's all they're going to think because we've all been there ourselves. We're all there ourselves at times. Others of you, maybe you are still in a season where you are blessed though and things are going great. Maybe for you, you just need to spend this time in worship. Maybe you need to spend this time sharing about some good things that the Lord is doing in your life right now. But others of you, maybe, maybe you follow Jesus for a while, but you have never been baptized. This morning is your morning. We had a baptism first service. It was amazing. If you came here this morning and had, didn't plan on being baptized, we have clothes, we have towels, we've got warm water, and we've got Jerry who's willing and ready to dunk you. This is Jerry over here. In the next couple of songs, if you are feeling compelled by the power of the Spirit of God, you know what? I need to obey Jesus when he said um, to, to, baptize, to get baptized. I need to obey that and follow his example. Then go talk to Jerry. Jerry will talk to you about how, how we can get you ready and get you baptized. Um, we've got all kinds of room and all kinds of time for that. Um, one quick thing, when I'm done here in a minute, we're going to look at a video. It's the, the testimonial video of, of Fritz who got baptized first service. It was awesome. So I want you to look at that and then we're going to worship. All right. So the question this morning is, is what is your response to the authority of Jesus in your life? Let's look at Fritz's video. My name is Fritz Bentz, and I live here in Gresham with my wife, Diane. Um, I have two grown adults. My daughter lives here in Gresham, and my son is in stationed in the military in Hawaii. My journey began probably about 10 years ago. I, I've always been, I've always believed in God, but I did not do the extra things that I needed to do to actually become a full-fledged follower of God. My main thing was to, to work, to provide for my family, and religion was not my priority. Um, when I retired from the military, that's when I knew that I needed more than what I had. I needed the spiritual side. I needed I needed the religion. I, I, I needed that. It was a part of my life that was missing. So I started coming to church about six years ago after I retired. Um, and it was just like I had an appetite. I, I could not absorb enough of God and Jesus. 
I became involved in a community group. I have an awesome community group, and that's where I have learned so much, so, so much to where I'm reading the Bible almost every day as much as I can. I try to make time for Jesus. I try to make time for God. Um, it, it, it's, it's feeding my soul. It's making me stronger. I just, I, I love Jesus. There's something about a person, a Jesus follower. You, you walk up and you talk to them. They're so open and they're just so real to where you, you can talk to talk to them about anything, talk to them about God, talk about your personal life. But it just it, they're like a magnet. They draw you to them, and that's why I kept telling my wife. I says, I want to be that way. I want to be that type of person. So I'm I'm working on it. The reason why I'm getting baptized is because I want to turn myself, give myself to God. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm, I want to become a Jesus follower. And when I do stuff, I want to do stuff to glorify God. Um, about two months ago, I was sitting in a service, in the service, and they had baptized an individual and it was like like the Holy Spirit just said to me what are you waiting for hopefully what I have said will 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 connect with somebody out there um, just one person this is this will be worth it this this whole testimonial I know I'm not the only one out there and you could be the next person to be baptized um, I hope highly encourage you to make that next step. If I can, you can. Amen to that. It was amazing to see him get uh, baptized and there's still time. It's been a great morning this morning, talking about the authority of Jesus in our lives. What we sung about just now, like Sarah said, Jesus has the kind of authority that can break any chain that's holding us back, and he wants to do that in your life. He has all authority and all power and all dominion over everything, and yet he chooses to rule and to reign from a position of humility first. Look what the Apostle Paul in Philippians Philippians 2 says this about, about uh, us and about Jesus. He says in verse 5, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore... God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. I love you, Grace. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.